You know, if you're not this morning, if you wouldn't say that you are a Christian, you're not sure, you're checking it out, uh, that's great. There's some people here at our previous service that said, yeah, not sure really. That's brilliant. We hope that you understand what it is that we're trying to communicate this morning. If you are a Christian, uh, why do you sing? Why do you sing? You know, is it just routine? Is that why we do it? And for some of you, I know you come to church and you don't like singing and you don't understand what it is about it, but you kind of put up with it. But I want to challenge you that whether you are a singer when you love singing or whether you don't, I want to give you 10 reasons this morning why we should sing. Last week, uh, we looked at the BFG, the big friendly giant, and we said, how do we bring down giants that stand between us and what God wants for us? And I gave you nine points. Normally, I'm a one, two or three point man these days, so I don't know what's happening in the summer. So it's a good job I'm not preaching the next few weeks, because the next few weeks, it could be 24 points, okay? But I'm going to give you 10 reasons this morning why we should sing, okay? And why we do sing, because, and I'm going to give you 10 reasons. But you know, we all, everybody sings, I think, to some degree, even if they don't uh, admit it. Who sings in the shower? Some of you do, yeah. yeah. You know, we sing at concerts and we sing at, at sporting occasions. And you know what I love the most? Singing in the car. Who sings in the car? The funniest thing, funnier than you singing in the car, is when you pull up to a stoplight, a traffic light, and you look at someone next to you, you know what I'm saying, and they're singing away, yeah? And what I'm trying to do is, I'm, not, I'm thinking, now, what is it that you're singing? I want to try and work out what is the song that they're singing. But there's something quite electric, I think, about singing. And when you're on your own, because there's a power in song. You know, and I think people of all shapes and sizes love songs and we love to sing. And whether you say whether you can sing or not, that ain't the point. The point is there's power in songs. But why do we, as God's people, sing? What is the power that God has in, in singing? And so I want to give you 10 reasons this morning why we sing, okay? And I want to challenge you if, you, if you love singing, to understand why we sing. If you don't love singing, I want to encourage you to step into it. Okay, because there's incredible power in singing. So the first reason, and we could stop at this reason, we sing because God tells us to sing. Time and time and time in the Bible, God says to sing. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 16, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. God says sing. And there's reasons why God says sing. Because there's something really important about expressing gratitude to God through music. And we can express gratitude through lots of ways. But there's something kind of dynamic when we do that through song. And interestingly, singing is good for your health. You see, God knows what he's talking about. Singing is actually good for your health. It exercises the abdominal and intercostal muscles. Sounds good, doesn't it? And it engages your brain. It helps your breathing. It reduces stress and anxiety. If you're pregnant, songs and music can provide the, the baby with sensory stimulation and improve the emotional state of a pregnant woman. So there you go, Simon. Okay, because Dee's expecting, so you've got to sing to your wife and to that baby inside. And you know, God commands us to sing because he wants the best for us and he knows that there's power in singing. Martin Luther, who, who was the great Christian leader of the 1500s, said, Next to the word of God, the Bible, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. We sing because God tells us to sing. That's why we sing. We're not just filling time in on a Sunday morning. We sing because God tells us to sing. Secondly, we sing because God sings. In Zephaniah 3 verse 17, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. And you know, I've 
I use this verse many times to pray over people's lives in many parts of the world. And, uh, and I love this verse so much because we, so often we think that when we sing to God, that God is kind of like the X factor judge. Do you know what I mean? Who's waiting to say, uh-uh, or not. And he's, he's passive in the whole experience. But the Bible says to me, that not only do we sing to God, but God sings to us. He rejoices over you with singing. We used to sing that uh, great Martin Smith song, Over the Mountains in the Sea. Do you remember that? Some of you remember that. Your love, what is it? The chorus? forgot it. I could sing of your love forever. And I, always when we sing that, I could sing of your love forever. I, or whenever I sang, used to sing that, because we don't do it so much now, I could just picture God singing exactly the same thing over me. God saying, I could sing of your love forever as well. And so when you sing, don't just sing thinking it's a passive thing for God. God actually sings as well. God is a singing God. Listen to this. God created us so that the joy he has in himself might be ours. God celebrates with infinite and eternal intensity the beauty of who he is as Father, Son and Spirit. And we've been created to join the party. So there's like in the, in the Trinity, in the nature of God, there is a singing relationship between the Father, the Son and the Spirit. And he invites us to join in with that song. We sing because God sings. Thirdly, we sing because we feel like it. Sometimes we just get up and we feel life is good. God is good. Everything's good. And we want to sing. The Bible says David writes in the Psalms, in Psalm 71, he says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. And when you read that in the message, it opens up the meaning of those words because it says this, When I open up in song to you, I let out lungs full of praise. My rescued life is a song. All day long I'm chanting about you and your righteous ways while those who try to do me in slink off looking ashamed. In other words, David is saying, you know, I, I, I'm, I sing to you, God, because I know that you've redeemed me, that you saved me, and I'm grateful. And no matter what is happening, I want to tell you that through song. And what I love about song is I love seeing people who really can't sing, but who are so passionate about singing. Did you know what I mean? Because I, I think, actually, God doesn't listen to what we listen to. God isn't the X Factor judge. Okay, he doesn't listen to what's coming out here. He listens to what's going on in here that's expressed. And sometimes we just sing because we feel like it doesn't matter what comes out your mouth. It's what comes out your heart that's important. Okay, so, you know, for those of you that are thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure I can sing. And whatever. it doesn't matter. God doesn't care about that. He cares about what's in your heart. And that's why we sing. We sing because we feel like it. But you know what? We also sing because we don't feel like it. There's something powerful about singing to God songs of hope, and trust and faith when life is tough. You know, we have a football song uh, at some grounds that says, you only sing when you're winning. Yet Villa, we sing that a lot because we were always losing. But this song about you only sing when you're winning, you know, it's great when when life is good, but, but there's something more powerful than singing when you're winning is singing when you're not winning. And when you actually feel that life is really tough, there's something more powerful about singing when you're actually not winning. And I think one of, the, one, of the, one of the great songs in The Sound of Music, uh, you know, is when Maria gets the kids together and, and the kids are all sad. And she says, oh, why don't you think of some of your favourite things? And we sang it this morning, when the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad. I simply remember my favourite things, then I don't feel so bad. It's almost like in the midst of your bad times, think about some stuff. And then the discipline of singing when you don't feel like it is incredibly powerful. And read through the Psalms time and time again. The Psalmists say, I will sing to the Lord. I will praise to the Lord. I will lift him up. That, that means actually, you know, I'm struggling to do that. I don't feel like it, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And so when you come and when you sing or when you stick a 
track on or when you sing on your own or in the car and you're singing songs to God, you might not feel like it, but there's something incredibly powerful about singing when you're not winning. Because what we actually do is we can sing ourselves to a different place. We really can. And so I think sing when you're facing challenges. In um, Matthew 26, when Jesus is with the disciples, they're having the Last Supper. They're about to go out into the Garden uh, of Gethsemane and Jesus is about to face the cross. The Bible said when they'd sung a hymn, they went out. The last thing they did before they went out to face the challenge was they sang a hymn. And then, and then Paul, the Apostle Paul, is in prison in Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Can you imagine that? They're in their prison. They don't know the end of the story because they're in the middle of it. So they don't know what's going to happen, but they're worshipping God anyway. And the Bible says that as they were singing, others were listening to them. You see, the, the thing about being a Christian, and if you're not a Christian this morning, being a Christian doesn't mean you won't have difficult things happen in your life. We'll have everything happen that anybody else will have. There's no difference. But actually being a Christian is about what God can do in you when you go through those tough times. And when you and I, if you follow God, when you go through tough times, others are listening to what's happening in us. Others are watching. And when you and I learn to sing the songs of power, when life is tough, when we do feel like we're in a prison, others will be listening and others will be watching. And who knows that God couldn't use that to actually do something in their lives. Because then suddenly the Bible said there's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. They didn't know what God was going to do, but they sang anyway. And maybe you are in the midst of a prison experience. Maybe you are in the midst of a painful time and you don't know what's going to happen at the end of your story. I want to encourage you, sing in the midst of the prison. Because others will be listening and you don't know what's around the corner. And when God does something in your life, maybe freedom comes not only to you, but maybe to others. You see, the way we react to our tough times will inspire others as they go through theirs as well. Um, And then, you know, it would be wrong of me not to mention uh, at this point that this has been a really tough week for our community of Hal Zoen. Many of you know that on Tuesday just gone, we had a funeral here uh, that we facilitated for a girl called Phoebe who was 16 years old and who died in incredibly tragic circumstances, a girl of a local school. So this place was full of family and friends and lots and lots of young people. And it was incredibly sad. It was incredibly sad to be there in the midst of that and to see these kids write messages on post-it notes and stick them on the coffin of their friend and, and all of that. It was really sad because uh, for the, for the, of the circumstances of Phoebe's death. And then on Thursday, well, on Wednesday then, the day after, we, with the staff here, I was doing like a security briefing as we've been instructed uh, nationally, all churches, because of what's happened in Paris with the priest, uh, to review our security in the, in the light of the times that we're living in. So we had a, a conversation about security on Wednesday here. And then on Thursday, as I drove in to come to church, um, all, all these roads were cordoned off and there was police everywhere. So in my mind, I'm like, hang on a minute. We had a security notification yesterday. Do you know what I mean? The very next day, there's police everywhere. What's going on? And I couldn't get to the church. I had to park and I had to walk. Police wouldn't tell me what was going on. I said, look, you know, I've got pe- staff there, people in the building. Are they safe? They said, yes, they are safe. And then as I got here, I realized what was happening. That there was a, a lady who was standing on top of the car park who was wanting to take her life. And she stood on the ledge for about 14, 15 hours during that day. And, and as, the, as we went through the day, 
Uh, and in the evening, we had worship practice of so the guys that are here today. And, uh, and we stopped practice for quite a while and really prayed for this lady who was still up on the ledge. And, uh, and one of the guys said, you know, why don't we keep the doors open? So when we're singing these great songs, you know, some of the songs and the hope, maybe that will get out there. And then as we finished practice at quarter to 10, myself and Andy, the drummer, we really felt we should stay. And so we stayed with the police. We made them tea, made them coffee, chatted to them, had great conversations about faith uh, and about all kinds of stuff. And we stayed with them right the way through to the end till 12.30, half past midnight, when they brought the lady down safe and sound, which was great. But it reminded me so much of how hopeless our world is at the moment, of how many people, from a young girl who's 16 to this other lady, individuals, communities, nations, we need songs of hope, don't we? Not just songs of hope, we need real hope. And songs of hope can carry the real hope that we have, which is the hope in Jesus. And yesterday we had an elders meeting and one of the elders was praying this prayer out of Romans 15. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning, folks, you need some hope. Maybe life seems dark for you. Maybe you say, oh, it's not that bad. You, you don't see yourself on a ledge like that lady did on Thursday. But maybe you find yourself in a dark place. Maybe this morning as you sing, God will give you that source of hope, that confident hope deep in your spirit and in your gut that God has not forgotten you. And what you're going through right now will pass. It will pass. You're not at the end of your story right now. We need that. That's one of the reasons why we sing. One of the reasons why we sing. But number five, we also sing because we need to identify one of the songs in The Sound of Music was Edelweiss, which is that little flower that's part of, that grows in the Alps. And it was like a cultural identification. They identified their culture around that flower. And there's a band that I'm listening to at the moment. They're called the Shires. They're not a Christian band. Uh, so don't judge me on that. And secondly, don't judge me because they're a country band as well. Okay, so don't judge me. But they do this amazing song. They're, they're English people, but they sound like an American country band. And there's this song called Made in England. And I'm sure if you are English, you'll identify with this. Yes, I'm made in England. Nowhere I'd rather be. Rainy days and milk in my tea. Come on. And then it goes on to say, the taste of vinegar and salt on my lips. There's nothing like a Friday night fish and chips. And it's just the way that the music and the lyrics are put together that gives you a cultural identification. And, you know, I've traveled to lots of places in the world and, and everywhere I go, music is so important. Every culture has its own sound. Every music uh, in a culture has its own uh, identity. And so, so the kind of spirituals of the deep of the South of America, if you've ever listened to them, and they come out of the slavery culture and out of that longing for freedom. And then when Martin Luther King and those great guys came up, they used that music to inspire a generation. And I've been in places in Africa in communities ravaged by HIV AIDS, you know, where the average life expectancy is 37 years of age, where, where there are kids dying every single day of their life. And yet in the midst of that, the music that comes out of those communities is breathtaking because every culture needs to identify. Years ago, I heard the story of a, of a drummer who, um, who used to travel the world with this very famous worship leader. And one of the things God had given him and told him to do was to collect drums from different cultures. So he had a drum kit like the one Andy's got there. Then he had loads of other drums from all different parts of the world. And he had a Samoan drum and he was in Canada once and he was playing this Samoan drum and a Samoan guy came in the back who'd recently become a Christian. And when he heard his drum, the drum from his culture being played, he broke down in tears. And he said to the drummer afterwards, you don't realise that, that I was brought up in a kind of a voodoo, dark magic background. And the drum, those drums were used in that background, but you've redeemed it. And you've shown me that God isn't finished with me or my culture. 
Something really powerful about music and about songs. Every culture has its own sound. Every church has its own sound. We have our own sound. You know, I can remember the first Sunday in September, the week after we had the fire last August. It's nearly a year. Can you believe that? It's scary. But the sound in this place of you guys singing and worshipping God was unique. And I can think back over many funerals that we've had, very sad funerals, very tragic funerals. But we're in the midst of all that. This church has its sound. You know, saying, God, we are grieving and we are hurting, but we are loving you and we're trusting you. And we're singing songs to you because you still deserve our praise. So we sing because we need to identify. Number six, we sing because it's a great way to learn. And so in the film, Doe, a deer, a female deer, Ray, a drop, what's she doing? She's teaching them the scale through a song. How many of you remember heads and shoulders, knees and knees and heads and shoulders, knees and knees and and heads and shoulders, knees and oh, it's amazing. So, so you all remember, it wasn't that amazing. You all remember, you remember it because a song is a great way to learn. Psychologist called Carl Kimmel said, a song is the best all-round device for facilitating a student's recall of facts, definitions and concepts. And you know, in church, the word of God is not just what I'm doing right now, but it's when we sing. Because we sing the word of God. We sing truth out of the Bible. And that's a great way of learning facts. And much of the stuff that I know in my own life comes through studying the Bible, through listening to other people. But much of it comes through the songs that I know. You know and, I, and I could recall songs way back from my childhood, you know, which actually aren't just songs, but they teach truth. They teach truth. So trust and obey for there's no other way than to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That's the gospel right there. Trust and obey. That I learned that song as a kid. And, and because we remember, because you see, we sing because it's a great way to learn. And interestingly enough, even elderly folks that get towards the end of their life, maybe suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's, if they knew Jesus in their life, all of a sudden they can't recognize you. They can't remember who you are, but they can sing a song that they, re- they learned when they were a kid. Some of you have experienced that. Many years ago, um, when I was a younger elder, young elder here, um, a lady in this church passed away, whom some of you will know. She was just an incredible woman and one of the real foundation pillars of this church, Iris Gray. Anyone remember Iris Gray? Some of you, of course you do. Iris loved to sing. She used to sit near the front of, on this side in the old building there uh, and would always sing and was full of life. And when she passed away, in the, right towards the end of her life, I remember with the elders going and we went to the hospital and Iris was very weak. And was hardly awake. And we went and we gathered around her bed. And, and she was hardly awake. Her eyes were closed. But, but we wanted to sing around. And we thought, we can't do it here on a ward. And so we took her the bed. And we, I don't know if you should do this. But we snuck it out. And we went to, to another room. And we all gathered around. And Iris was just lying there. And her eyes were closed. But we began to sing really quietly some of these great old hymns. And then she opened her eyes like that. And she said, you better sing louder than that. <laughs> and if you knew Iris Gray, you'd know that that was Iris, Okay. And so we lifted our voices and we sang some great hymns and great songs and great truths over her. And a few days later, she went home to be with Jesus where she's singing her heart out right now. You see, there's something about singing that means God puts something in you that will never go. And even in those moments, right towards the end of your life, it's still there. Because singing and songs are a great way to learn. Number seven, we sing because we need to put great words on our lips. You know, Isaiah in Isaiah 6 said, You know, woe to me, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And actually, he was a great orator, a great speaker. 
But he said, I live among people of unclean lips and it's affected me. And it's affected me so much that I've now become a man of unclean lips and I need some great words on my lips. And you know, I, I get the privilege of working in this environment. Most of you don't. And you're out there in the world and you're in those situations where you're surrounded by people and maybe the, the, the words on their lips aren't that clean. Maybe there's some profanity and there's some criticism and some negativity. And in your, if you're in that environment long enough, it can affect you. So that's one of the reasons why we sing, because we need to put great words on our lips. We live in an instant throwaway culture. Nobody believes what anybody says anymore. Do you know that in culture? When you look at politics right now, it's a crazy time in global politics. It's like nobody believes. You know, the American presidential nominations, they are the least popular of any nominations in history. And it's like nobody believes anybody anymore. And it's like everything in terms of our lips, we just don't believe it. And we need to be a people who put great words on our lips because we live amongst the people of unclean lips. And the, the early church fathers used to say that a song, a great song, is like a cathedral. Have you ever been to a great cathedral? And um, we had the privilege a few weeks ago of going to Rome again and, and going into some uh, and all other parts of Italy. We went to loads of different churches and cathedrals. And some of them were breathtaking in Florence and in Siena uh, and, and in Sicily and, and in Rome as well. And, and in Rome, in St. Peter's. If you've ever been to St. Peter's uh, uh, in, in Rome, and the, I've been like five times. Where I'm so grateful to have had the chance to do that. But every time I've been in, I've seen something new. And when you're on the outside, it's breathtaking. But when you step in, it's even more. It's amazing. And the early church fathers used to say songs are like that. They're like a cathedral because whenever you go in, you see something new. And a great song can do that. And, and it reminds me of a few years ago when I was on retreat with some other Christian leaders. And, and we'd been out for a, for a meal and we come back to the retreat place. And, and one of the guys played guitar, played piano. And we were just playing one night and just relaxing. And, and we started doing, singing some songs that we used to sing in the 80s when, we, when I first became a Christian and first followed God. And we, and we said, oh, do you remember this one? And do you remember this one? And we were having a bit of fun. And wasn't this an awful song? And, and before I, we knew where we were, we were singing these songs from the past. And all of a sudden I turned around and one of the guys was on his knees and the other was in tears. And one of us was laid out on the floor. Because what we, was happening is that we were remembering what God had done during the songs that we sang. Because a song is like a cathedral. And actually this morning as we were rehearsing just before the first service, Simon came up to me and said, that song that you kicked off with, you know, King, you know, King of Majesty, that was the song of my baptism. Because songs are important, aren't they? We need to put great words on our lips. Maybe you need to put some great words on your lips today. That would be an amazing thing to do. Number eight, we sing because some things can only be adequately expressed through song. You know, just the normal words just don't do it. There's something about poetry of lyrics and the beauty of music fused together that express things in a way that other things just can't do. And so when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. The poetry of that is breathtaking. I could say that this way. As I look at the cross where Jesus died, my stuff's nothing in comparison. Don't sound the same, does it? Or like, were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Or I could say, if I own the world, it wouldn't pay you back, so here, I'll have it all. Doesn't quite sound the same, does it? There's something about the poetry combined with the music, which is amazing. And what about singing a new song? You know, God says we don't just have to sing the songs that are on the screen. We can sing a new song. We can sing in the spirit as well. 
Bible talks about singing in the spirit, singing in that heavenly language of tongues. I know that's maybe confusing to some of you, but it's that beautiful thing about where, where the words stop maybe and where we sing out our own song. And we may do that this morning. Number nine, we sing because it can bring to birth the promises of God. I, I love the fact that in the, that key song in the sound of music, you know, the one that you can, you kind of is reflected in the screen there. Climb every mountain. That, that song that Maria sings is a song of aspiration. It's a song of hope, you know, of longing, of dreaming till you find your dream. And there's some great verses in Isaiah 51 where, where, where God says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song and shout for joy. And if you were barren in the Bible days, it was a sign of disgrace, of a stigma. Somehow God didn't have, you know, you were disfavored with God. And, we, and the woman could sing, actually, when I'm pregnant, then I'll sing because that's when I'll celebrate. When the promise comes, that's when I'll sing. But God says, no, you don't sing when the promise comes. You sing yourself to the promise. So you don't sing yourself from fruitfulness. You sing yourself to fruitfulness. And maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you're waiting in your life for something to happen. When this happens, then I'll celebrate. When this happens, then I'll sing. When this happens, then I'll rejoice. And God says, do it now. Do it now. Because as you do it now, you'll sing your way to that place of fruitfulness and that place of real celebration. It's not over till the barren woman sings. And there's something powerful about singing when you're in that place of barrenness. And finally, we sing because it prepares us for eternity. Some of you who don't like singing, I'm going to ruin your day. You are going to sing for eternity. Woohoo! That's what the Bible says. We are going to worship God in singing for eternity. I'm going to invite the band to come back. Listen to these amazing words from Revelation chapter 5. This is a snapshot of what eternity is going to look like. All right, Some of you might want to bail now, but this is what it is. And it's going to be amazing. I looked again. I heard a company of angels around the throne, the animals and the elders, 10,000 times 10,000 their number. Thousand after thousand after thousand in full song. The slain lamb, that's Jesus, is worthy. Take the power, the wealth, the wisdom, the strength. Take the honour, the glory, the blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and earth, in underworld and sea, join in all voices in all places, singing to the one on the throne, to the lamb. The blessing, the honour, the glory, the strength. For age after age after age, the four animals called out, oh yes, and the elders fell to their knees and worshipped. We are going to sing the songs of God for eternity. Why we sing now? We sing for lots of reasons. One of the reasons is because it prepares us for what we're going to be doing for eternity. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together? Maybe this morning you have lost your song. Maybe this morning you've had that song taken out from you. Maybe you've lost that song of hope. Like I say, you may not feel that you're at that stage where you're on the ledge like that poor lady was. But maybe you've lost your song. My prayer for you this morning is that God will give you that song back. God will give you that song back. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for the power of song. We thank you for the power of music. But Lord, we thank you for the power of song. And God, I pray that this morning, as we sing some great songs and as we put again some great words on our lips, Lord, may this place not be filled with the sound of music alone, but may it be filled with the sound of worship. May it be filled with a sound of hope. And Lord, as we join in with all heaven, as we join in with what we're going to be doing for eternity, God, I pray that you'd bring some hope to some of us that need it this morning. Maybe some of us who feel barren, some of us who feel in prison, some of us who are in the middle of our story and we don't know how it's going to end up. God, as we worship you and as we sing, 
Even if we don't feel like it this morning, as we sing to you, God, would you fill this place and would you fill our lives and our hearts with hope and with the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name.